I wanted to touch on recovery for a little bit, but I just wanted to tell you, and I post this on Facebook, and you know, like you and I, we kind of have know a lot of people who've gone through this, and and I've known people who've been in recovery who didn't figure it out, Jay, quite candidly with you, and, and you know, they're not with us any longer. And so I just wanted to publicly tell you how proud I am of you in sticking to your program because I've seen so many people, Jay, get into it and not be able to stick with it. There are reasons you have that we've discussed privately, which if you want to bring up is cool. I'm not going to bring them up. But, you know, give us a, give me a little bit about that journey for you because it's not an easy journey. And you're, you're fighting the battle every day. And, and there are a lot of people out there maybe who are listening, maybe dealing with what you're dealing with. What, what do you say to somebody? I mean, you because you're a great guy in terms of fellowship. What do you tell somebody who comes to you and says, Jay, I'm struggling, man. I'm, I, can't, I can't do it. What do you say to somebody, Jay? And, and give me a little bit about how your experience started. I've tried recovery so many times. You know, it, it, to me, I knew there was something different about me as far as not wanting to feel normal. You know, right. trying to find that uh, elevated or sedated feeling, mm-hmm. you know, I did, it sounds weird, but I think it, it started out as a young age taking extra allergy medicine because it made me feel drowsy, you know, yeah, <laughs> okay. uh, you know, I could remember just taking shots of that, um, you know, and then fast forward through life and, you know, high school happens and the anxiety of wanting to be in the in crowd and that stuff. And, uh, you know, growing up in Connecticut and, you know, the mid nineties, I'm sure a lot of people felt the pressure to, you know, drink and smoke and what have you. And I got into that real quick. Um, it made me feel different. It made me feel not nervous to be around people. It made me feel not nervous to talk to girls. Um, you know, I generally didn't like being around people and in big crowds, but you know, you put, put some beers in me, some alcohol in me and it was different. It, it, made me feel different, made me feel good, made me feel accepted. You know, it, it always seems to rear its ugly head for me as I went into my adult life, uh, you know, graduated in 96. You know, drinking was just always part of my life. Right. It didn't really get out. It didn't really get too out of hand in high school. A uh, couple D, DWIs before I was 21, but, you know, it didn't get me in trouble. Yeah. Right, right. Uh, uh, um. But you know, fast forward to the the adult the adult the adult um, the adult part of my life, and it just always seemed to catch up with me. Um, I took uh, yeah, at the end of two thousand one, um, I lost lost my grandfather, and that kind of set me off on a set me off on a scale again. I was doing good in school; I was going to school and had a you know had a good job and was doing good for myself and, uh, you know, had some family members lost like my grandfather and, you know, the whole shock of nine 11 happened. And I just kind of, again, didn't want to feel right. So back to drinking, you know, met my, uh, ex-wife or wife, (laughs) met my future (laughs) ex-wife. Okay. And I kind of, you know, I kind of straightened up and kind of straightened up and it always seemed to rear its ugly head when, life got tough for Jay or let, you know, Jay needed to take a step back. Jay took a step back in the bottle or pills or whatever I can get my hands on, to be honest with you. Right. Um, it, like I said, it just never seemed to go away. It went through cycles. Then, you know, I would do something stupid. 
uh, you know, mouth off to mouth off to my wife at the time and regret it, you know, feel bad and try to stop, go to meetings. Um, never really did rehab, um, at that time, uh, tried to stop, you know, tried to do the steps and hindsight 2020, I was always trying to stop for somebody else. I was always trying to stop for, you know, uh, back in high school, trying to stop her, my parents, trying to, trying to stop to stay in the football team, you know, to not get, you know, to not get in trouble. And then you fast forward, like I said, fast forward to my adult life, trying to make the woman I want to marry happy, you know, for her to get off my back. Yeah. Um, and you know, like I said, I, I tried meetings and it, it would last maybe two weeks, maybe three weeks, maybe a month. And, you know, it eventually would come back, you know, eventually, yeah, I, I would drink like a normal person, have a couple of beers and be done with it. But it was just a matter of time before that, you know, that two, three beers a night turned into a fifth of schnapps for the night, you know, no were, exaggeration. Jay, were, were there triggers um, or just, this was a, there was like a pattern or were there like specific triggers that triggered this stuff for you? Just a lot of pressure financially, you know, yeah. You know, a lot of pressure financially trying to, you know, put food on the table, pay the rent, mortgage, what have you. And, you know, they're just succumbing to the pressure. It wasn't anything. It was day-to-day stress, basically. Yeah, just the day-to-day stress and not knowing how to to deal with that, you know, the way normal people deal with everyday stress. You know, I'm not the only, you know, I won't be, I'm not sure, I'm not, obviously, I'm not the only one that has to deal with bills and stuff. Right. But, you know, that everyday BS was just too too much for me to... Too much for me to, um, too much for me to take on, you know. At the time, that's what I thought. Uh, you know, it it just it always like I said, I would go through stages and and I would be good. You know, I'd behave. You know, have a you know have a couple beers, go out to dinner with her, have a drink, maybe two, go to bed. You know, and then eventually it'd come out to go to dinner with you know go to dinner with my wife, have a couple have a couple drinks. Wait till she wait till we get home and she goes to bed and then then start drinking and popping pills, you know it just always seemed to revert back to that and then me hiding it. I mean, always knowing in the back of my head that I definitely had an issue, but denying it to everybody else. Um, so many meetings, so many times I've tried to go to AA and meetings, and I don't know what finally clicked. You know, maybe it was the gift of desperation. Uh, my wife at the time had enough. She asked me to leave. That was in September of 2013. Um, I was living down in Fairfield, and I moved back up to Southington, Connecticut, which is central Connecticut. And uh, yeah, I'll never forget that day. Um, it was the middle of September when she asked me to leave. It was it was a long time coming. It didn't come out of the blue. You know, we were talking about it before, and just one day she had enough. So um, went back home and. I remember <laughs> grabbing, slamming down my uh, trash bag because I just gathered my things and um, fully intent on not living anymore. You know, like I knew I didn't have the, for lack of better words, balls to, you know, put a bullet through my head or jump off a bridge. But, you know, I knew the means I wanted to do. I had the means to do it. I had the connections. You know, I had the the ways to get... Um, you know, to get the chemicals in me that was going to do it over the long haul. Right, right, right. Um, 
and you know, I was like I said, I was going through the separation slash divorce and seeing seeing only seeing my son on my weekends and being just beat up during the week because I couldn't see him. You know, got into like I said, that was middle of September, and I went hard. And I'd rather not uh, go into detail about what things I did, and that was, in the, you know, towards the end there, towards the end of my last run here. But uh, I'll never forget it. It was in uh, November 10th. Um, well, yeah, November 10th, November 9th, actually. November 9th at night, he was over, uh, you know, a little young guy. Um, he was, what, six at the time. Um, and I, like I said, I spent the whole because he was not near me and you know putting that pain away through drinking and drugging and you know coming up with ways of how i'm gonna end it uh or how is it not really how i'm gonna end it how is his life gonna be once i'm gone right and it didn't you know in my head i would think about it and then just drink it away because it made me sad yeah anyway i digress and then that night he was there and he wanted me to lay down with him and i was like i just sat down had pills and cocaine all ready to go on the table. You know, my bottle, my favorite drink, uh, uh, rumple mints, you know, had that chilled and a fifth and ready to go. Right. And that was going to be my night. He was going to go to bed and I was going to watch TV and, you know, not feel pain anymore. Right. And he asked me to come down and cuddle with him. And I got mad. I got mad with him. He wa- I was like, my son wants to cuddle with me. I'm getting mad. I just, I don't know if it was God. I don't know if it was um, my family members up in heaven smacking me in the head or right, it was just right. a moment of clarity. clarity. Yeah. Uh, that it was time. That's it. You know, I just, it, it was really obvious to me. It was like, oh, my God, I'm putting alcohol and drugs in front of my lover for my son. I'm choosing this in front of my kid. Like, it was that, you know. I mean, you could, everybody could have saw it before, but it took that right there for me to see it. And ever since then, um, you know, it hasn't been easy, but right then I decided, I truly decided. It wasn't in the past, like in the past where I was reluctant and, oh my God, I'm going to shut my wife up. Oh my God, I'm going to shut my parents up. Oh my, you know, yeah. Oh my God, my kid's going to be born. I got to shape up. It was, oh my God, you're really choosing to be fucked up. Oh, excuse my language. You're really choosing to, you know, to be inebriated rather than spend time with your son that you're crying about. So, you know, I, I did the next day I woke up, uh, I went to the nearest meeting. It happened to be NA or excuse me, happened to be AA. Um, uh, and I went to that meeting and, you know, I obviously scared, uh, nervous because I didn't know this time it, it, it had to be it. You know, uh, I wanted to live right there too. And just to listen, it was a meeting that is a guest, uh, not a guest, a guest speaker. And just the feelings that this lady was expressing of what she went through, uh, I could connect with. Somebody totally different in a different right, different form of life. It was uh, a woman, first of all, and I'm a guy, so, you know, she was a lot older. She, she's a lot old, she was a lot older than me, but I totally connected with her, what she was saying. You know, so those meetings, I started going every day. Didn't want to go every day, but, you know, I I knew I had to. I can't lie. Those first, that first year, even that first six months was rough. rough. Uh, You know, there was a couple times, I can't lie, I poured myself a drink. And 
I don't know. You know, I didn't call anybody or anything, and uh, I ended up pouring them out, thank God. As far as, I don't know what clicked. Like I said, maybe it was the gift of desperation. Uh, and those, like I said, those first six months, I was fighting it. You know, I was definitely white knuckling on it. And I, you know, that's not something I would advise to anybody, you know, because it's not it, long term white knuckling is just not going to, is not going to work. When, once I finally realized what I needed to do, I had, I had a sponsor pretty much right in, like three months in, but I didn't work the steps. I didn't really work the program. I was like, okay, I'm going to get a sponsor because, yeah, this guy and everybody else is. This this guy has one. Everybody has one. So I'll just, you know, I'll do what everybody else is doing. But I wasn't doing anything about it. And, uh, you know, it was after a meeting one time, my sponsor just said to me, are you miserable enough yet? Because he knew. You could tell. You know, you could tell I didn't want to be at these meetings. You could tell I was white-knuckling it. And I started working those steps the next day, and that changed everything. I honestly worked them. You know, I had to. Uh, I wanted to, like I said, I wanted to live for my kid. And those steps weren't easy. Uh, a lot of soul, you know, a lot of, not really soul searching, a lot of uh, self-reflecting, a lot of, brought out a lot of guilt that I had, you know, of, of what my, you know, drinking and drugging did to, to those around me that I loved, to you know what it did to them and how hard it made their life and how hard it was them to see somebody they loved in me, you know, right. to be going through this. Yeah. Uh, working those steps and going through my inventory and realizing, yeah, some of the, most of the stuff and the pressure I put, the pressure that was on me and the resentment I had was a lot of my wrongdoing, a lot of my own doing in my, whether it was in my head or, you know, my own actions. Yeah. You know, working the style, I've looked at life totally different. Uh, you know, the whole ripple effect of my actions reflecting other people and it coming back to me. Owning my, you know, owning my shit, you know, in, the, in, in any kind of conflict or resentment, you know, owning my side of the street and cleaning my side of the street. Like I said, just a totally different perspective on life. Realizing what people have, how you know, how some people have wronged me. We've all been wronged. You know, the, the people that have wronged me, that that's on them. You know, and I need, sounds cliche, but I needed to not take that personal. You know, they're in their own life. They have their own shortcomings. And that, you know, that's try to, it's the form, it's the way I look at life now is, you know, when I get hurt, I got to realize that's on me. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's on them, I should say. You know, it's on the type of person they are, what's going on in their life. Right, it says, said, it, says know, have, more, it says more about them than it says about you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You know, there's been some bumps in the road. Um, I know I've shared on Facebook uh, towards the end of, um, or I should say, the beginning of 2020, right before the Lacroix boards, right before, right before all hell broke loose, <laughs> uh, yeah. hell break loose. Um, you know, mental illness has always been there. Um, you know, unfortunately, I think in our age group in the beginning and growing up, it was it was something we didn't talk about. And maybe it was something we didn't even know about, you know? Yeah. Um, I think depression and anxiety has always been there. I just didn't know how to express it growing up. And through recovery and having a clear head, um, I knew it was there. I'm like, all right, this drinking and drugging's going away, but I'm still, you know, uh, 
I'm still getting down. I'm still getting anxiety, and I know I can't use drinking and drugging as a clutch anymore. So I did therapy, and you know, it's self-admit. I I got away from it because I got uh, complacent with it. Um, you know, oh yeah, I got everything solved. And like I said, towards the end of 2019, beginning of 2020, I uh, just it came to a head. Um, I, I was seeing a girl at the time. And, um, you know, it was just a bad breakup. You know, I think it was the, the straw that broke the camel's back. I didn't want to live anymore. Um, I knew drinking and drugging wasn't going to be the answer. And I needed to get help again. And I, you know, had to check myself into a uh, psych ward because I knew if I didn't, one of two things was, I mean, the end was going to happen. Whether it was the... You know, whether it was quick or drinking and drugging and that to me, drinking and drugging for me is just the uh, suicide on the installment plan. And, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry I, I, I didn't lie, want that. I didn't want anybody to see that. Very well. Um, I didn't want, I didn't want to put my son through that. And it's something I needed to go. I needed, you know, I needed to go away and I, I got tremendous help. You know, I was in there for a good, almost a good month. Um, uh, it changed, you know, it, again, it changed my life. I yeah. think, you know, it was able to to process things differently, to look at things, you know, different perspective of things. And so, you so, know. so Jay, November is going to be eight years for you? Yes, November will be eight years. Uh, I try not to count days because, I don't know, it feels weird. <laughs> it feels weird counting days. No, no, yeah. I, I, like I, I, so I, I bring it up from my perspective is because I kind of knew you were going through this just because you were basically on, you know, on social media, you were kind of expressing it, which I, I found really refreshing that you were able to do that because a lot of people aren't. And I had, I had somebody, a uh, friend who, you know, somebody I'd kind of work with and become friendly with, and then they kind of disappeared for a little bit. And then they, they reached out to me. They said, hey, you know, whatever, they were looking for a job is how they reached out. And I, I just, and I'd work with them and I really thought they were a great people and i had no idea jay they were struggling with what you were you know what you'd been struggling with and what a lot of other people struggle with and of course i told them whatever you need you know here's my email here's my phone number you need something because it was about oh would you be a recommendation for me on a job and i said of course i will and you know here's my info whatever you need just call me whatever you need you know and then i got a call six months later that this person wasn't around anymore you know and i felt like I felt bad because I felt I could have done more. You know, like, why didn't I ask? How, I mean, you always ask how somebody's doing, right? But you don't really ask, right? But, I mean, you know, uh, you know, my, my friend, I have other friends who've been in recovery. They said, no, you did the best thing. You let them know that you were there. You extended, you know, a, 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 a vine, and maybe they would have called you and, and talked for 15 minutes and done the same thing they were going to do. And so I, it really... You know, and then obviously I talked to you about some of the other people that I've known who've had struggles with alcohol and drugs, and and that really hit it home. You know, and I, I'm like, you know what? And I was thinking about you, and I said, damn, what Jay's doing is not easy, and 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 you know, we need to let him know. I need to let him know that I I'm in support whenever he does something, and and uh, you know, I want you to see another Yankees World Series, my friend. Um, yeah, definitely. But yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a small thing, but I mean, like, no, I. Just talking to you about your son and and how he's going to high school and everything—it's it's great. It's 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 awesome that that you know that you can be uh, 
you can be there for him. And that, that I'm glad that you were motivated to do that and uh, that you're able to talk about this stuff very openly. And it, it, I, I don't know if it helps you, but it just it really clarifies the picture for a lot of us who've not been on the side of the street you've been on. Yeah, I get reluctant sharing it on social media because I don't want it to come across as looking for attention because it's quite the opposite. Well, but I will tell you, like I said, I'm a little older than you, but like we kind of grew up in the same era where it was like, you know, the just say no era, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in school, you're almost taught to shun those people, you know? Oh, little Jimmy smoking pot, don't hang out with him, you know? Well, no. No, that's completely wrong. Hang out with Jimmy. Let him know you're his friend. You know, maybe you're not interested in, you know, snorting coke or smoking weed, but let the guy know you're his friend, you know? Yeah. Because maybe he's smoking weed every day because he doesn't have anybody to hang out with. That kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, I think that's why, I, you know, that's you hit the nail on the head. That's kind of why I put it out there is, you know, I revert back to the lady I heard speak for this for the first time when I tried sobriety for this last time, hopefully last time, um, you know, just to hear her talk made me feel like over the course of these few years, over the course of these time I've had, uh, you know, been in sobriety, let me put it out there. Maybe somebody on my friends list can say, oh, is struggling. If I can save one person, one person can reach out, and it has happened. You know, people Good. have reached out. Yeah, some of those, pe- you know, some of those people have gone in the program, and I see them. I know they're in recovery. And there's some people that did it. You know, yeah. There's some people that are still out drinking. There's some people that have reached out, and they can't reach out anymore because they're not here. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I put it out there. Uh, you know, like I said, I, sometimes I'm reluctant because I don't want people to think I'm uh, looking for attention or you know, or looking for a pat on the back because that's not, that's not the case. That's, you know, very far from it. Uh, you know, my full intention is to not hide it, you know, yeah. like you said, you know, growing up in the era we did. And I think with mental illness too, with mental illness and, um, and addiction, it was always, you know, sweep it under the rug and don't talk about it and, yeah. you know, shun those, shun those people that do struggle. Um, and to me, no, I, I, those are my people. Those are the people I, I'm going to extend out that hand. Um, what they choose to do with the hand is on them. You know, I definitely have gone through part of that in recovery is, um, I can't, I can't, uh, go into how many people I've lost. Um, whether it was before, you know, growing up people that have lost an addiction. And then, like I said, these past seven, seven or so years that I've been in, recovery for hopefully the last time that you know i've made some friends that would have some time and then they go back out and you wouldn't hear from them and then six months later you read it you read the obituary in the That's paper or, you know a sister or a sister or a family member or somebody else in recovery yeah Did you hear about so-and-so yeah he's he's you know he's passed or she's passed yeah um you know, I, I wish there was a magic word I can, or a magic plan I could tell people what to do because, you know, I'm sure somebody, somebody, at least one person will be listening to this that's struggling. It's just the law of the averages. Yeah. Um, yeah. that somebody's out there struggling and doesn't see an end in sight, uh, doesn't think they can stop, doesn't want to stop. Um, it's that first step. Uh, you know, I don't 
under, you know, I don't uh, know else how to explain it. It's that first step you got to take and realize it's on you. You got, you know, that you have a problem. You have to admit it and truly mean it and to extend your hand. There's people out there who want to help, you know, there's people out there who want to help. Um, you know, like I said, I, I put my, I put my name out there on social media and most of the stuff that I share for recovery, I try to make repu- uh, Republic. I try to make public so people could share it, yeah. you know? So it, yeah, it shows up in other people's feeds knowing that maybe somebody can see it. Um, something I definitely feel like I, I have to do. Otherwise I'm going to lose it. And that's pass on that, pass on that what I've been blessed with to other people. You know, my path may not work for everybody. You know, my path is different from everybody else's path. But, you know, if I can get the people on the right way, get them a good start, you know, be that shoulder, be that ear that they need for that one night that gets them to go to, to start getting help that next day or later that day. Um, you know, I hope I can have that effect on people. Not for, you know, not for... Uh, like ego. Not for ego, not for likes, yeah. you know, just, just for somebody. People have saved my life. Oh, yeah. I, no, yeah. I, I, could, I couldn't even begin to... Paint it forward. Yeah, you know, I couldn't begin to name the names that have helped me along the way. You know, like I said, unfortunately, there's people that have helped me that are no longer here. And that's, and that's another thing that, unfortunately, is part of recovery is the, the survivor's guilt, for back, lack of better words. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't mean to sound cliche or pump myself up or anything, but I'm lucky to be alive. There's so many times that I had no business living anymore. Um, and I'm here. There's an old movie I think of, and it's, uh, it's, uh, Timothy Hutton did it. It was Ordinary People. And there's a scene where he, he meets a friend. He tried to kill, he tries to kill himself. That's the, pre- the premise of the story. And he's, he, he, talking to this, you know, he's hanging out with this friend of his, and she had tried to, they don't tell you in the movie, but she had tried to kill herself too, and his parents go out of town, and he's having a rough time, and he calls her, and she's killed herself. You know, she succeeded this time. And just the depth of just, you know, I know it's a movie, it's based on a novel, but I just, you think about that, and, you know, he's just looking for somebody to bounce ideas, to vent to, and and then it all comes back. Everything, everything that he was feeling guilty about in that moment comes back, you know. And so when you're on that path, it's difficult. And I understand, you know. Then you know, as you, you know, when you're a kid, you see it, and it's like it's whatever. But as an adult, you understand now that that there's so much. There's you're going along great, and then just something can happen to spin you out of that thing. It happens to all of us, but sometimes, you know, if you've been down the road that you've been, there's there's steps that you need to take and. And that's why, you know, I, I, I'm always I'm always happy to, to see, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, we're friendly, so I'm, I'm happy to see you doing well. But just knowing what you're going through, knowing that, that you have to go through it whenever you're whenever you reach out, it's always great to see because I know that you're helping other people and you want to help. I mean, you know, like, I remember you, you said at the beginning when we were talking, you said, I didn't always want to be around people. What a full circle it's come for you that now you kind of yeah. almost feel a responsibility that I need to help anybody I can. Yeah, yeah, um, definitely a three uh, one eighty uh, from wanting to be around people. Um, I don't. I still don't like being around people, but it's a little bit different now. You know, uh, <laughs> a man, uh, a man true to like himself. A, I can respect that. Yeah, you know, just just to wanting to be there for 
the other struggling alcoholic or addict is big to me. Um, it, it's definitely a priority for me. I, ha- I have to make it a priority. You know, I think, uh, it, it just, it's the ripple effect. If I can help someone and that somebody can help someone and yeah, you know, it's just what the re- recovery community is all about, you know, always being there for somebody. Um, you know, and I, you know, I, I have to, there's a couple of times that I've gotten into sucked into the person that intentions weren't right. And, um, you know, I, you know, that's something, unfortunately, I have to keep my guard up and, and always make my sobriety a priority rather than putting somebody else's sobriety ahead of mine. But, um, you know, I, I don't even blame the people for having the wrong intentions at first. Cause I think it's the sickness talking or maybe I'm just too nice, but, um, you know, I kind of try to stick it out with some people. If I, if I feel that, if I feel that I truly need help, you know, um, something I, I just, I, I feel like I have to do, uh, not always easy to help others. Cause sometimes I don't know if they really want it. So it's hard to read people, but, um, yeah, I, like I said, I try to help people sponsor some people. I've kind of gotten away from that. I don't think by, uh, by choice, just with, um, COVID coming, you know, those COVID coming COVID kind of throwing a wrench into meetings and meetings being more of a, uh, zoom meetings. And now they're getting back to face to face. Um, you know, went through that good stretch of, it wasn't no face to face meeting. So it was hard right. to, have a helping hand physically because you know, you weren't in meetings, but it, you know, that's, that's part of my program now. That's part of my life is helping other people or, you know, trying to help other people. You know, it's like I said, it's not always easy. And I had a lot of, uh, reaffirmation to myself. You know, I got a close circle of two, three people, three people that, uh, in recovery that I rely on that I have to, sometimes I got to check myself, you know? Um, and I, I definitely rely on those people, you know, those people struggling. I know I'm going in circles, but those people struggling, um, there's definitely help out there. You know, like I said, you're, you're going to have to want it and you're going to have to take that awkward first step and ask for help. Uh, I know it's scary. Believe me, it is, but it's worth it. You know, it's all, all it is is fake fear is asking for help. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just fake fear. Um, hindsight 2020. I mean, I know it's easier said than done, but I assure you it's fake fear. You got, got to ask for help. You know, there's going to be people that, you know, went through the same journey or, you know, similar journey that you did. And, uh, they're going to, you know, they're going to want to help. Just, I think when recovery is good, that's what you want to do is you want to help other people. You, yeah. Yeah. The last, the last thing I'll ask you is, did you, when you were getting into this, when you knew, hey, I got to go to recovery, I have a problem, I need to fix it. Did you ever see yourself being able to be be that guy who's there for other people? Like, was that something no. you ever saw? Yeah. No. no, no, not at all. Um, you know, like I said, those first six months was of this this change this uh, this shot at sobriety. I just, I didn't couldn't wrap my head around people having like 15 years, 20 years, like, yeah, nah, I just, you know, 
I just want to not be miserable. How would 15, 20 years, I'm going to be dead by then, you know, just it not, it not hitting me. And then I don't know, you know, things started clicking, you know, there's a saying, fake it till you make it. Um, you know, that's pretty much what I did for the first, you know, the good first six months off and on, you know, I would have good days and bad days. And there were some days I had to fake it till I made it. And I finally made it, you know, knock on wood, you have, you know, you know, I finally made it and I'm glad I made it. And then I just got to, uh, be there for other people. And, you know, there's times that you're not, you know, you're, you're, I'm, I'm going to be able to be there for other people and not succeed. Unfortunately, like I've said, I've lost some people along the way, uh, in recovery. And unfortunately, one of those peoples was my father, uh, back in 2017, just, you know, a lifelong drinker. Yeah, I'm sure he smoked weed in high, you know, high school and college, what have you. But you know, drugs wasn't part of his story. But you know, just just the drinking, and um, you know, to be not to, you know, I've tried so many times with him, but I can never force it on him. You know, I, I can't. You know, you can't force it on people. It's just, it's just not going to work out good for anybody. He didn't. Uh, he didn't get it till the end. You know, uh, he got it. You know, he was sober for the last month month and a half of his life where he finally got it but uh you know damage was done on his body and his body just gave out unfortunately yeah. um you know so he, like i said it's it's a, it's a, it's a, it was a reality there was a reality of where i could go back to you know right i mean i always knew it but uh i always know it that i can go back out there um, but that had, you know, that hit home, you know, hit losing, the losing my father, losing the guy that, uh, was my father, you know, my yeah. dad's always been part of my life. Uh, you know, so to lose him was rough and you know, losing him to this disease was rough. Then it was the yeah. survivor's guilt because why well, that should have been me, you know, yeah. so many times I shouldn't have been around. What did I do wrong? I, I can't save my own father. I can't save my own family member. Yeah. And, uh, you know in a way i guess i did kind of save him you know like i said you know the last month and a half he was sober and getting there getting to be happy um which was good to see and then like i said i you know one day his body was like you know <laughs> it was his time you know glad you got the, had that last month and a half or so it brings up all these things that you have never thought about or maybe you thought about a lot and just brings them back and it's it's uh it's tough it's a tough it's a tough process to go through